Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 110 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it is made alone, Belt Wanderer. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. And uh, I'm going to challenge that it's episode 110. So I want a fan to count up the episode. <laughs> you know, you know, honestly, we were literally just talking about that. <laughs> yeah, what? I'm not even joking, Carrick. I'm right now going through the playlist on Maddie's oh, channel just them. to double check. Dude, yes, yeah, all so the numbers up. are correct. Minor so up. You it's don't like, have free time and you're counting up our fucking podcasts. I guarantee the numbers right, dude. I guarantee it. It, it is right now. It is right now. You're yeah. fucking lucky, Matt. I, I did. <laughs> you're I've, lucky. I've fucked it up twice. I, actually, probably more than that. I've fucked up twice in memory that I can recall. Like once in the night, <laughs> well, you know, and once right just before we're like someone was like yo it's it's not 107 it's like 109 now and i'm like oh shit this is our own show and we don't fucking know <laughs> 100 so a big number you know yeah <laughs> counting good yeah, stuff well, yeah, like, yeah you know, count, counting numbers is pretty hard, hard. <laughs> yeah yeah math <laughs> yeah but uh for those keeping track if you want to listen on the go we have all our mobile links in the description down below if you want to join the conversation consider supporting the patreon and now Let's roll into our first bit of news this week. Let's let's talk some Far Cry 5. You know, there was mm. a teaser earlier this week. Then we got the announcement trailer. There's been a bit of, of course, controversy with it. The release date is right now, February 28th. What are our thoughts on this? Carrick, you can start. I, I'm assuming you're a bigger fan of Far Cry than I am. Um, well, so we had talked about this, I think, on the podcast. I know maybe Maddie and I did just separately on Twitter. Um, so... I had been leaked that it was going to be a Longmire style thing, and that's that is what it looks like. Same person who had told me about Primal, so that was exciting mm. that it sort of it panned out. Because to be honest, I've been always waiting for this person to be wrong, so I was more <laughs> into that. I was more like, is this going to prove him wrong? Because originally, some of the first pictures, I was like, eh. But here's the thing: it's so funny because this morning I started talking to people about it, and it, matter of fact, my Discord somebody just said when they announced it, I was I, I knew it was being made when they showed the trailers today i became interested and i think that Mm. that's really cool especially because a lot of us are talking about montana being it's it's in you know it'll be in america it'll be a slightly different location but there's also the fact that some people were pissed off about some of the caricatures uh especially the pastor uh, in one of the trailers they were like oh this is uh, over the top and i always want to remind people that far cry is known for that far cry has a game you can beat in 30 minutes if you just sit at the dinner table it's got blood dragon it's got Voss, mm. who is a comic book character, technically. So I'm excited for this because, to me, they're my Call of Duty, in a way, where I yeah. return to them every time they release. I, I know they have weaknesses, and I'm still actually excited for something in, in Far Cry since the very first one. So for me, I'm just like, okay, great. I'm finally actually knowing what's happening, and I'm, I'm pretty interested so far. Mm. 
Yeah, for me, it was what, what caught my attention was you didn't see a. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we saw with the typical uh, announcement of the picture, you know, the cover art, like, oh, this is going to be the main villain. But in the trailer, it didn't really depict that. It wasn't like, you know, here's our big Voss villain, because that's kind of yeah. ever no, since then has become the trope for Far Cry. I've noticed that they really focused on the theme with the game, they focused on what the world's going to be like, what the atmosphere is going to be like. Yeah. I, that caught my interest more, where. When it was teased, I was like, I don't really care. As simple as that. I, I like Far Cry, but it was like, okay, whatever. And like Carrick mm. said, I saw the trailer. I was like, now I'm interested. Yeah. And the only thing mm. that really dampened that was when I saw the release date. And I was like, fuck, February? Like, I thought this would be a fall title. It's like, what is Ubisoft doing in fall? Because I heard that Assassin's Creed got pushed out of 2017. Yeah. Apparently. So it's like, what are they doing this fall? I mean, they just did Watch Dogs, so maybe it's a new IP. I I'm very confused what they're going for this fall. But can I just say though, like if you look at the trailers, it, it looks like such a pretty game, like yes. that a kind of game where you just you know what I want to explore. Far Cry's and I've always had I've always... that though. Like I, I know yeah. Far Cry Four is a game a lot. It's kind of polarizing. A lot of people really like it. A lot of people really don't. Um, but I, I thought that game was gorgeous. I mean, mm. that, oh my god, some of the vistas and stuff. Amazing. Like, like you saw the end of the trailer, some of the swamps. Like, yeah, I, I could just imagine myself just enjoying exploring this for several hours. But I, I'm really intrigued by the the setting and the characters. Um, I, I'm not the biggest Far Cry fan, mind you, but this just looks like a it looks like a fun game with a with an interesting premise. Um, I I know people were some people, anyways, were a bit upset about the the, the cast of characters and and what it represented. But it, it looks like a fun game to me, to be honest. Yeah, and, and I think they've announced it pretty well. Yeah, see, my thing is that, and, and we won't get into, because we, we don't do that on the podcast, that's kind of our thing, we don't get into politics and, and hijack our, our following to push an agenda, but what we I want to personally talk about is more so just the idea of pushing boundaries and, and why people sometimes try to suppress that in games. I mean, Far Cry 5, I think it's awesome Ubisoft's like, yo, let's push the boundaries. I thought it was awesome, even though Mafia 3 wasn't that great of a game. I thought it was awesome mm. that that also tried to push some boundaries in storytelling and games because what it does is helps the medium get recognized as a form of powerful storytelling. You know, I don't think movies would have gotten oh, to where they were if they didn't keep pushing the boundaries and you started seeing really serious topics being covered in movies. Um, so it's like, what do you guys think about the controversy in general without obviously us trying to get too political here? Look. Uh, I guess the the thing that I will say is that I, I think Maddie's absolutely right. Um, the, the the telling of of controversial topics and story and narrative in games I think is an absolute must if we want our industry and our medium to be taken seriously and not just be seen as, you know for kids. Then we need to tell complex stories in, in games and and one of those being because it's something that's always told in movies is racism. And and mind you, though, we don't even know necessarily that this cast of characters is racist or anything. It was more people viewed the, the poster and, and kind of got that sense. But, you know, ju- judging from the, the, the trailer, they just seem like a bunch of um, um, re- religious nuts, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like, no signs of racism. But the point that I'm trying to say is that games in the past have dealt with those controversial topics before, like racism, and they've done it real, well. Like, I know this game, I always mentioned it before, but... Bioshock Infinite was an intensely racist game. Yeah, and I was just thinking that. You know what I mean? But anyways, I'm not saying that this game looks like, looks to be telling those story plots, but I think if games can do that, usually games will try and tie the story together well in the end. Like, there will always be a point to it. 
So even if it tells those controversial topics, in the end, it'll try and you know have a good good story or, or a good ending, a good feel to it. So yeah, it looks cool to be honest. I'm not, I'm not really. I understand um, the controversy and what it's about, but yeah, I'm just like, you know what? It looks like a fun game. What do you think about it, Kirk? I, I yeah, I, I in all honesty, I think it's so. I just don't get that excited or mad or or happy about games this far out. So to me, yeah, when people enough. said when people said it, I was like, okay, whatever. It's Far Cry. They've got Voss. They've got Primal. They've got all these games doing all these different weird things. They got Blood Dragon, and and now they've got a game based in Montana, and we're many months out. So great, whatever. I just don't get that. I just don't get that caught up anymore in those kind of things. Yeah, and, probably so. Yeah. And and it's because if we guess on this, for example, if I mean, you know, Mafia, I personally felt that the pastor in the Far Cry was trying to mimic in some ways the Mafia 3 cutscenes at the starting. Mm. In fact, I felt like I felt like there was some definite cribbing going on, which is fine. Like, that's that's how they work. But when it comes to narrative in games, like, should we tell racist stories? Should we tell whatever? I think I disagree with Lone in one. I I disagree and agree. I disagree Mm. in the fact that I think fuck anyone, anyone who believes that we aren't already an important industry. I don't think we need to prove it. Absolutely. And I, and I know yeah. you weren't actually saying we yeah. do need to prove something. Yeah. Um, I, I think fuck anyone who believes that what, what yeah. happens is, and I'm just being honest, it's the fans who have the problem, not the game makers. It's the fans who freak out about shit and become so enraged or, or, or go and do this on a comment and that on a comment. And I know people are going to be mad at me and be like, you're blaming the fans for, I'm not saying devs are, are not a problem. They have their own issues. This is separate. I'm saying that many people I talk to are barely connected to this industry, and they don't bitch about the devs. They bitch about the fans. They bitch about those mm-hmm. those overreactions, which is why Maddie says we don't jump into politics here, because if we do, it inevitably steers to a group that gets so passionately pissed off about something so small that you lose the entire discussion. And um, and and that I think it's I think that's sadder than anything. Like it's it's embarrassing sometimes. Well, we've talked about it where you're like, oh my god, did you see that comment? You're mm-hmm. like, fuck, this isn't this is embarrassing. Like I'm embarrassed for the person leaving this comment. Mm-hmm. Um, not embarrassed for the a bad game or a, a dev who makes a, a a shitty game, whatever. I think it'd be cool to see if it is racism. I think it'd be cool to see if it's a religious zealots. I think it'd be yeah. cool if it's if it's both, since in history, uh, almost every religion has some kind of you know, uh, bump up against racism anyway. So yeah. that, that'll be great to, to sort of mix those. But I have a question to bounce back to you guys. So Ubisoft had said, we're going for a less linear, more open narrative. And I feel that that's why we saw the way the trailers were. We didn't see a lot of the main character. We know he's customizable, oh, he or she. And so my personal belief is that I might be wrong on what... So Far Cry's have always been open, especially Primal. It was like, just enjoy yeah. And, yeah. and you went out. I have this feeling that there's going to be some stuff in this game that is a little different, and it might be more of a GTA where random smaller things can be done, like side, what not quests, side activities. I'm just guessing here. But some of the stuff that they've talked about in the past, open narrative, they were very clear that their games, that's what they're going for. And if you look at Wildlands and you look at Far Cry 5, there's hmm. some argument to be made that, that that might be where they're going. And that, I don't know, is that more interesting to you guys? Or is it less? To me, it's less. I, I like linear, I like story. 
ch- chapters with side what stuff. What do they mean by, if you don't mind explaining, when what do they what do they mean they're going for with open narrative? Sure. So what they basically described is cutscenes won't be as prominent or happen at all. Um, uh, there won't be there so won't like be that con- logs, phone calls. It, it, yeah, and and it won't be as condensed. You won't have like chapter, 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 um, and then and then side stuff to do when you want. In fact, loans discussed holding off main missions and doing side missions and and holding yeah. off side. You know, yeah. uh, they've talked about just more of an open narrative so that you experience it. And I'll be honest, it feels more like Skyrim in its description than say Witcher. Witcher, you're you're this one character. We're all this one character. It's how you play that character. Skyrim, it's this one game, and it's how you play the game. And I'm not 100% sure I want every Ubisoft game to be Wildlands. No. That's, that's, that's my worry. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, because I was not a, a, a big lover mm-hmm. of Wildlands in the end. So Anyway, I just wanted to know what you guys think. I mean, like, Maddie, do you like the, that idea? Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm with you. You know, I like my storytelling. Some people say usually when you, you don't like that linear, direct storytelling – uh, you could be an idiot because I view it like um, with Dark Souls where a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. is through the item descriptions and shit. And when I kind of slammed that, was like I think it's more so them. It's a unique way of telling a story, but I don't think they're actually telling a story, so to right. say, such as a direct cutscene, chapter, chapter, chapter. Like you're actually looking for the story. So for me, I find myself that I don't mind that type of open narrative where you know they'll give you a phone call, they'll give you the updates and all that stuff. But I find myself much more disengaged with the right. narrative immediately immediately because mm. you're not directly interacting with the character it's just an audio log and audio logs are useful um world filling tools i think where uh, if i want to learn about an area i'm in you pick up an audio log or whatever it is that gives you that audio and you you hear about what happened here or something along those lines or a character who lived there that stuff's mm-hmm. fine but when it's for the main narrative i don't mind it all the time uh because i, I think it, it could also be really useful i think bioshock one used it to perfection where it became a powerful narrative tool when the game wrapped up. So, but I don't see that happening with far cry five. I don't think you can really predict that though, but in answer to your question, uh, not really. I, Cause not that I'm going to go in and say already, I'm not going to like the story, but if they're going to take that route, I already can see myself being much more engaged with the stuff you do in the open world, the outposts. I hope there's not that many radio towers, that type of stuff than the story. <laughs> Yeah, right. Especially if they got this main <laughs> villain faction thing of religious zealots or whatever. I mean, that sounds interesting, especially the trailer. Like I said, it got my attention. So for me, it's like, why not actually take this chance to hone in on something pretty unique that you don't see in games all too often, as far as I'm concerned, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to lean to the towards the it's too early and until I play it and experience, you know, what what they actually mean by open narrative storytelling. I, I I don't know. It, it's really hard to say. I will yeah. say though, I, I understand what Maddie is saying in that, you know, when you play a game and it's an interesting story, you you want to experience that story. And I don't know. It's it's tough because, for instance, if, if we refer to to Prey, um, that game used so many different elements of storytelling, but it still kept the main story at, at the forefront. And I still think you can have because you know it, with Prey you had. Uh, people calling you in. You had things on the, on terminals that you could read. You had mag- oh. magazines you could read. So it used all those different layers of storytelling, but it, it still kept the main story at the forefront. I, I think it's re- honestly it's really hard to say. I don't know. I, I, yeah, no. I, I mean, it makes sense. I guess it's it's really how the developer uses the tool. 
And that's the it thing is, is it is who, it if is. they're talented at, at telling that kind of story, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I I believe that. So we'll see. Yeah, I hope to be wrong. And you know, like I'm always looking for that good game. So mm-hmm. that's uh, regardless of it could be fucking a crossword puzzle. If it's fun, uh, it's fun. Like that's what matters. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I guess you're worried just you know about the main story more taking a backseat to the actual open world itself. And and the fact that uh, not to be rude, but we always joke about towers and stuff. And if you remove some of those kind of more directed, uh, like you know, some of that more story. You, you go towards what I don't think is necessarily that developer strength, which you, you is know, it's interesting though. Towers version two. Well, if you, if you take Breath of the Wild for instance, th- I, I think that's essentially what Ubisoft is talking about when they're talking about open narrative storytelling. I mean, that game, the story very much takes a backseat, but I think it's okay in the case of Zelda because let's be honest, the story is the same as it's been for the past twenty years. <laughs> yeah. it's, and, and it's like I, as much as I love Zelda, and that game is definitely my game of the year so far. This, the, it, the story's not that interesting. It's really not. And that the story takes more of a backstage to, to just exploring. But when you have a story, so far anyways, that seems interesting in Far Cry 5, is that what you really want? Do you want the story to take such a, such a backseat like it did with Breath of the Wild, where you're more, more interested in just exploring and climbing towers and finding shrines? Or do you want it to be at the forefront? I, I, I'd prefer that, to be honest. If we're going to use... Breath of the Wild as a comparison. I wouldn't want that if the story was very interesting. If the story's not compelling, then I'm I don't care. And it's going to be really interesting because the trailers were about Montana and all these cool people. And then if there's less story, you're like, well, then why was the trailer not just showing the open world mm-hmm. and the, the sandbox gameplay? Like, there's that's why I'm questioning if this game will be like that because it's certainly those trailers don't indicate that. But I could be wrong. What were we gonna say? Sam, Sorry, Maddie. It just no. It seems like almost a misidentification of his own franchise. Like exactly, yeah. you look at the games like three and four, which really brought the series to that mainstream level, and it was always about uh, trying. At least when it was being marketed, um, it was about that main villain and just how evil it could be. And like, oh wow, I want to get to know more of him and see the fucked up stuff he does. And then to, to go and look at, um, I know Carrick and I have our differences on Primal, but Primal was definitely, I think, more gameplay focused. And oh, yeah. from the sounds of it, 5 will be like that. It, it seems like the wrong thing to do with uh, the franchise, in my opinion, because, um, you know, but then again, I don't remember much from 2 aside from the gameplay. I guess it's what do you think the gamer recalls in those previous titles for example in zelda because lone brought it up you know when i think of the game i don't recall shit about the narrative i think of these awesome moments like <laughs> riding around a sand steel taking out the legs of a divine beast and thinking of how yeah. just epic and dynamic that entire i guess you could call it a boss fight is um or, yeah. or throwing bombs from the back of a, a zora you know that type of stuff i don't think of the narrative so it's like do people, for example, when they think of Far Cry, do they think of like the mission exactly. in Far Cry Three where you you fucking burn all the marijuana plants and and your guys stoned as shit with a flamethrower, and they're like, you know, let's go for those type of crazy gameplay missions. Um, is that what the player recalls, or you know, are they going for more of a narrative run? And it's like mm. not a bad idea because. I have to say, and I don't mean to ramble here, but I think to myself with uh, Far Cry, yeah, we always think of the villain. But even with Voss, which I think was their best chance to do it the best, they kind of missed the mark on that. And so it's like, are they trying to re-identify the series and, and make it more gameplay-focused because they never really had that like home run 
villain outside of a couple of commercials. So but here's what I want. Oh, go ahead. Yep, go no, ahead. I was, I was going to say quickly, it, it, th- this was a Ubisoft-wide kind of intention. It they was, said that yeah. all of our games, including Assassin's Creed, are going to adopt this kind of open-world narrative storytelling. And I, I'm trying to pin down, down why exactly that would be. Like, why are they going towards that? Maybe it lends better to replayability. I think that's the, the key here. When, when you have a, a very linear story, it's it's ten. It, it can't to be hard. Can't to be hard to. I'm not even talking properly. Tends to be hard to play that game again. Once you finish the story and it's done and dusted, not many people can go back unless you really love the fucking game. But when when the game is like a Breath of the Wild or like Far Cry Five seems to be, you can go back more easily and, and play that game again because the story isn't so up in your face. So it's not like oh, I've already experienced this before. You know what I believe it's going to be, uh, and this is—I I believe that their their uh, decision was driven a little bit by like the Vivendi situation and stuff, and that uh, it, it's one way to keep a game and microtransactions alive if you have an open world uh, GTA Online yeah. style. But yeah. here's the thing: if they showed, uh, let's say they they were like Far Cry Five, here's some gameplay, and they showed nothing but—and I talked about this earlier, so if somebody has heard me talk about this, I apologize. But if they showed nothing but a shield and a gun, and you have a morality meter, and you have the ability to non-lethally take down people who are transporting drugs, you have, and and your your meter went more towards the shield versus the you know the Raylan Givens type of shoot first, ask questions later, and you had choices for non-lethal takedowns because we know the dog is involved there's a dog that you can have non-lethally take down enemies in in far cry 5 and a couple other things if those things were available then open world makes a little bit more sense not open world open narrative i, I would like that like maybe that's just the side those guys are just sort of who does everything bad and you're sort of trying to take them down but it's not necessarily about taking down the specific person because in real life if you talk to anybody who works at the dea and stuff like that many times they'll tell you there's so many people you're taking down so many different groups it's more about the activities and you're removing those and you're getting people in jail whatever until you get like one person if they, if they want to do something like that i'd be interested i would love non-lethal takedowns in a far cry with like pepper spray bullets and fucking you know release your dog on somebody and those kind of things uh, you know an open sort of an open sheriff kind of game it'd be interesting um, but mm. it might be it might be skewed more towards Wildlands, which if that's true, then I'm not a fan because I didn't think Wildlands did a yeah. lot of its stuff very well. Fair so, yeah. True. A lot of lot of different stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it personally. I, I, yeah. Obviously, it's going to be a while before we hear more. I think the announcement was a little premature. But um, then again, I think it's a little weird to announce something coming out like February in the fall when there's so many games coming out. So maybe their hands were tied a little bit. But um, yeah, I just I felt that was the only personal blemish yeah. in that. whole. Can, can I say, though, like 2018, how many games are going to be coming out then? That's going to be the such a bumper year for, for video games. We got Red Dead. We have Assassin's Creed. You have Far Cry. Um, obviously, Call of Duty comes out every year. What other big games are coming out next year? There's a lot of them. It's going to be insane. Uh, probably a new Star Wars game. That's yeah. almost a guarantee. I'd imagine if it's not 2017, then 2018 definitely would be a BGS game. Also, 2K says they have a one of their highly anticipated franchises coming yeah. out fiscal 2019, so probably it's sometime in 2018 late. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's Borderlands, so it's just going to be a huge year. Yeah. <laughs> As if this year wasn't big, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Shit. 
Uh, any final thoughts on Far Cry 5? Not enough for me. This looks cool. All right, so we talked about Red Dead 2 just a second ago, and uh, it got delayed to spring 2018, and then there were uh, some reports about how that's not going to come out until after March. So what do we think about this? Number one, are we surprised? Did, did no. anyone get absolutely caught off guard and fall out of their chair? Good in, old uh, rock, rock star. <laughs> for a rock star delay? Because I certainly I d- didn't. When it happened, I'm just like, I'm just trying to remember how many different times GTA was was delayed, mm-hmm. and I'm like, fuck that. Especially that PC version oh took ages to come yeah. out. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah. dude. I mean, so. that's a, I, Rockstar is interesting because they make great games and they know it, so they almost have a um, undercover. We do what the fuck we want mentality without actually showing it. Where, for example. They'll announce a release date. It won't come out on that release date. And they'll be like, all right, we're delaying it. Because they know people are going to buy it anyway. It doesn't matter. There's there's not going to be any uh, mm-hmm. dip in sales for them. Like I, I said, right. there is data that says that GTA Five is the number seven top-selling game this year. Three years after the yeah, latest version insane. of GTA Five came out. That's, like, unheard of. So for them, I don't blame them for being like, let's just give them a fucking date. Let's excite them. If we got to delay it, we delay it. Let's go for that date. And it didn't happen. And they're like, fuck it. Let's delay it. Because people are still buying GTA V. Their, their hands aren't tied on money. <laughs> Hell no. So like... Shark cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shark cards. Jesus. Dude. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, what are they... Uh, the, the thing is, is in fact, um, I had an argument with some people on my podcast about if it was going to be delayed a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, no, it for sure will. Like, and people were all, no, it looks like it's on time. Nope. Nope. It'll be delayed. Like there's absolutely no question that it'll be delayed. Yeah. I think the same thing Maddie does. I personally, and after talking to some people, I, I personally do believe they know internally that it will be, even if they announce a time and that they are, are incredibly loosey goosey with their dates because yeah. like you said they just don't necessarily they have quality if it wasn't quality it'd be different but mm-hmm. they have game they have games that are considered quality and so they and they know it and they're just like meh whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, and they it know seems if they like the good game it's going to sell for especially yeah. for yeah, yeah. That's all you need to do, Matty. Just make good yeah, games. Just make, and just make a fucking good, I did it again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> just, just make a good rock star. You'll be fine. <laughs> Shit will sell. I said it. Why can't it be done? I don't understand. <laughs> oh man, I'm just thinking about that that artist who draw the thing of us sitting around the board table. Yeah. What do we do, Maddie? Tell us. Well, we just, just make a good it. game. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> Hire him. Um, no, I, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. Again, look at how many times GTA Five was delayed. Um, it's it's very clear that you know Take Two is like if you watch the recent fiscal earnings. They're making just so much money with GTA. It's not even funny. I mean, Maddie mentioned how it could be the one of the top selling games this year. Every week, um, there's a top ten charts released on MCV Pacific, which you know shows the top ten selling games in Australia and New Zealand. And every time I check on it, usually Grand Theft Auto is up is on that top ten list. Even today, right? And it, especially because of the fact that they're that they haven't even mentioned single player DLC for that game. They're like, you know what? We're just going to keep doing online expansions. They're making so much money. So I don't think yeah. Take Two as a company, obviously, they're, they're not worried, or even Rockstar, not worried about 
oh, we've got to get our next game out because they're getting this kind of continuous cash flow with GTA 5. It's pretty much like Xbox with Xbox Live. They're just getting this constant flow of money in, so they don't care. And I think, I don't know if they're going to try and replicate the GTA model with, with Red Dead. I hope not. But I think their thinking is, well, look at GTA, right? It didn't doesn't necessarily matter that that came out in the month it did. Back in the day with games, you know, the month that the game came out yeah. was do or die with the game. Now they're like, well, GTA came. I don't even know what month GTA came out in, to be honest. But they're September, like, the, the thing is still fucking making money, you know, two, three, however many years later. <laughs> and if we can do the same with Red Dead, who cares if it comes out in March of, of 2018 or, or May of 2018? Because two years later, we'll keep releasing online expansions and look what it's doing. You know, no one's going to remember what month it came out in. So... Yeah, not surprised, and I think they're now very, very bullish because of GTA and, and how well that's doing. Even previous games, man. The only thing that upsets me, I said this in my video, is that, uh, dude, that means we're not seeing Bully 2 for a while. Just the yeah. more they nah. delay that, the more previous games get pushed out. That's why I thought, or why I wish Means we're not seeing Midnight more, Club. <laughs> yeah, that too. I, I wish they had a little more, like, all right, like, let's get the game out, but, I mean... They're in that position where they can, A, make lots of money, and B, make a fucking generational title. It's like, you, you can't rush that. So, it's like, you want to bitch, but you can't bitch. You really can't. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I, I hope that this success with GTA, with Rockstar, actually set like makes them go, you know what? We're still making so much money with that game. We actually have the capacity to take risks with other titles. Even though Bully wouldn't be a risk. Maybe Midnight Club will be a little bit more of a risk because it's less known. But they could start working on those games while they're still making fucking so much money with GTA. Yeah, I mean, they, and they and if those games flop, then who cares? Nowhere. And that game was one of my favorite Rockstar games. I mean, I'm, I'm so in the... I'll, I'll say this right after that. I am so in the minority on my favorite Rockstar games. My favorite two Rockstar games are Bully and Max Payne 3. Everyone else is GTA 4, Red Dead Redemption... GTA 5, and I get why, I'd never argue it, but for me, it's it's those two games. I love both of them so much. And it's like, yeah, yeah they can... I mean, they did, what did they do, Manhunt? Um, yeah. They were working on that one rumored game for a while, Agent. I don't know what happened with that. Mm. But, um, it was Last Guardian. It, yeah. uh, it, it, it sort of gone on, gone away. I don't, mm. I don't think that'll it, ever get released. It just, it just seems that Rockstar and Take-Two have this interesting relationship when rockstar's like we can't get a game out uh we need to work on it usually the case if it was published to a developer they would try you know not force them but get them to to release at a certain date a certain timeline because otherwise things you know the other games will be delayed and um it'll mess up their timelines etc mm -hmm. but when it's rockstar rocks like yeah we can't make this t date and then take two or whatever it's like all right cool that's fine we'll re release it when you can <laughs> I feel that's how the meetings are going. Well, I, yeah. I gotta say, I definitely appreciate them not abusing Rockstar. Um, that's definitely a weapon they could completely use against them and just say, yo, keep fucking churning them out. People love GTA. Just keep keep making that shit, you know? Um, doesn't take two. They have, yeah, they could, same with Bioshock. They have, I mean, they have, they have a lot of titles underneath their thumb that they could just keep oh, yeah. churning out and make lots of money on. And so I got to give them kudos for not abusing that. I'm sure it's a temptation that's hard to resist. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's a, that's a long way off. So that's one less game we got to play this fall. That's how I view yeah. it. <laughs> I'm enjoying the, uh, the little reprieve right now from all these games coming out. Uh, June's pretty barren, and that's just excellent news. There's Tekken 7 and 
the crash remakes for anyone who cares that's mm-hmm. it it's, oh, it's so beautiful it's so beautiful so we have th- fucking time off to catch up on our lists <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's literally what i'm doing right now like i my friend yeah. let me uh tales of zestiria which is it's such a middle of the line our jrpg oh yeah it so is. middle of the line man <laughs> and i've just been playing it through for like why the fuck not um, but he lent it to me in January, and I'm just now finally sitting down to play mm-hmm. it. Um, I got like 12, 13 hours in it. I don't know how, but uh, it's it's so like, like we talked about this character. It's like one of those games that I'm just playing because I've been spoiled so much. I need to play like a mediocre middle of the line game to, you know, just remind myself of how, how spoiled I've been this year and in general. Yeah. What are you guys been yeah. playing? Go ahead. Ooh, what about? What have I been playing? Um, so, finish Prey, obviously. I'm playing Wolfenstein The New Order, and I want to finish that before E3, so I'm prepped for Bethesda's inevitable reveal of, of Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished Outlast 2, which, fuck. Have you guys finished Outlast 2? Have you played I mean, it? I don't think I'm going to play that one. I've played it, but I've played it. But oh, man. It's, um, it's, a, it's a fucked up game. Like the, the, talk about controversial storytelling. I mean, this kind of game, deals with like child killing and and rape like very very deep topics but wow. it's an outlast game you know but the the story in that game while I, I have a few issues with it it was it was very interesting how it ended and i don't know like i don't know if it's a game that i'd recommend to everyone because it, it deals with such dark subject matter but mm-hmm. the thing that i liked about this outlast is that it wasn't as jump scary as the previous outlast really? it it more focused on the story and it had this co- cool concept where as you play the the main story you'd have like flashbacks to your past life and a past issue that happened when you were a kid and how that contrasts with the current narrative it was just it was messed up um but it, i think it did a relatively good job telling that story and in the end it was one of those stories where i was like what the fuck just happened i need to read up on this and when a when a game makes Same me do, do the that first one then the first one did that to me i was like what the fuck yeah. You need, you need to play it honestly like if you if you like the original outlast play it if people don't like jump scary games or very dark horror games that deal with very messed up themes then i don't know if you'd like outlast it's outlast 2 it's not a game for everyone i will mm. say that it's just that that uh i remember watching some of the angry joe's review and the the constant like running away shit like that that's what pushed me away where i was like eh, i don't know if i want to play that you know if it's got some unique <clears throat> kind of hide and seek elements as you creep around the level i like that stuff but um from the, from the looks of it it was usually like get to a narrative point and bolt the other way as you get chased down you die multiple times until you get that perfect run mm, I, I just, it depends like because i i played this i'm just on, going on off normal. his opinion and what yeah, he yeah, yeah. In, the, in the video but mind you um I played on normal difficulty, so I, I could very well imagine if you're playing on a harder difficulty, you, you'd get caught out much easier. But okay. I actually really like the way that this game executed the whole run and hide mechanic. Because, for instance, sometimes there's an area, um, like to progress, you need to go through this particular path. And then the act- the, an enemy will spawn there, like one of the main mini-bosses or whatever, and you think, how the fuck am I meant to get past? So the, the, main, the aim of the game then is to actually hide do a loop around and then go back through that path. Mm. I thought that was fun. It was challenging. And even though you die a couple of times, I think that's the exact point with it. Um, I never felt like the whole run and hide became um, a bit of a chore unless when it was, I was you know very interested with the story and I wanted to progress and I thought, oh, I've got to hide in this barrel again. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I think it reached that balance pretty good. It, it wasn't a grind for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's a game that's definitely... I, I wouldn't even put it on, like, my backlog list. It's, like, rainy day if I fucking see it on sale and I happen to feel like playing Look, a game that... You, you'll finish it in a, in a solid session or two. Um, it's oh, not really? that long, anyways. Yeah, it's, like, nine hours, eight hours long. Oh, well. Mm. Anything sounds incredibly short. Like, even when my friend... I was like, how long is Tales of Zestereo? He's like, you're just doing the main stuff? I'm like, yeah. 35, 40 hours? I'm like, that's short. Ever since beating Persona 5, anything, <laughs> anything beneath that game, I'm just like... I can handle that. That's fine. It's so incredible how much that game's changed my perspective on game length. It's, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Spending 140 hours in one playthrough and anything after that's so short. You need, you need to have a good balance of games. Some that are short, some that are long. Because yeah, usually after you, you play a long game, you think, nice. all right, I just want a fucking five-hour game just <laughs> so I can finish something. Yeah. No, uh, that's, that's what I say to people. Because I remember I, I tweeted out one time like a year or so ago. I was just like, do you guys like those games that are like endless adventures that never stop? Or do you like a game that you actually beat? And a lot of people were like, I just like the endless adventure. And I was more on the mm. side of I like to beat the game, you know, not where the credits roll and that's it. But I'm saying, like, that satisfaction of, hey, you beat it. And then there's more to do afterwards or something along those lines. I've mm. always found that spectrum pretty interesting. Yeah. But that's what I've been playing. So what you guys can you ramble now. <laughs> um, Sorry? So I have been playing. Okay. So. Okay. Hang on. I'm going through, I'm going through an NDA <laughs> real quick. Don't, don't break uh, NDA. Karen. Yeah. Come on now. Okay. So Star, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Bridge Crew. Uh, the PSVR the slash title. five slash Rift game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I'll just say that if you're interested in VR, you should definitely check out that review. That's Monday. Um, okay. Can't say much more than that. There is, let's see, I finished up Long Journey Home, which is sort of a Dark Souls space exploration game uh, with a, a pretty cool art look to it, art, stylistic art look. And that uh, review comes Monday. And so I can't talk about that. Uh, oh, Rhyme. I can talk about that. So I beat Rhyme. And um, that's, you know, it, it certainly does have a, I guess, a look of a little bit of the Zelda Wind Waker, a little bit of Journey. It's even got some mm. nods towards Journey. So that was that was mightily impressive. And I think one of the major reasons, and I had forgotten to mention this during my review, that Lindsey Sterling, the dancer slash violinist chick, had done the composing. Oh, and oh, it's easily the game now. <laughs> it, it, it destroys her. it destroys uh near automata and what? persona's soundtracks oh, yeah impossible. it's the it's the best soundtrack <laughs> i think i've ever heard it's the first time where i i called up people and told them to come over to my house so i could let them listen to the music as i played and Fuck. It's, <laughs> it it's it is um i i, I think yeah, i described can. it as as stradivarius pouring out uh, one for the homies of all the That's other soundtracks. Great. It's it's that good. It's uh, wow. li- and now now of course if you don't like, you know, emotive, whatever, then then you may not like this soundtrack. But um, you know, it's a violin heavy, piano solo heavy soundtrack that mm, never once, beautiful. yeah, it never once made me go. It's time for some Paxel, which a lot of those will will drift into depression. It, this is about lonely. No, this is about mm. loneliness and and solitary and. There's a point right at the starting, probably only five minutes in, because uh, the game doesn't tell you anything. You literally start drowning on the side of a beach and then just play. There's no, no oh. anything, no, no prompts. This music started playing, and it was, I mean, I was by myself, and I was like, what the fuck? 
Like, what? what is going on? Like, this is the best music I've ever heard. And it just continued. And then I just stood there for like 25 minutes, just going like, holy shit, this can't be. Like, this has wow. to be just one track that's this good. And it's not. So wow. that game was phenomenal purely for soundtrack. Gameplay was great. There were some issues with platforming. I was really stoked to be able to play that because it, it's a reminder of how many freakishly amazing games in different genres there are uh, right now. There's, it, it's, it's insane because how I'll talk to somebody uh, about six to eight hours, depending on if you do every puzzle. And it's 29 bucks uh, on hmm. everything but the Switch. Whenever the Switch version, if it ever does come out, gets released, it'll be another 10 bucks more. Not quite sure why. So... Hmm. Yeah, that, that game that game was one of those times where I just sat back and was like, wow. And then last night, I stayed up all night playing Injustice again. That's like the fourth sleepless night, I think, from Injustice. Not in a row. I'd be dead. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> I'd be dead. <laughs> I, I, I just, I cannot stop that. playing it. I cannot stop playing it. I've Great. never once leveled up a character with money. It's been grind. It's just been grinding. And what I consider grinding is playing. And I've just absolutely enjoyed going down the line in alphabetical order and leveling up to level 20 it like you know four hours with this guy four hours with this guy four hours with this guy four hours and it's fucking so good for a fighting game not smooth it's mortal Kombat. they can't be smooth it's not possible but (laughs) but it's good and um and i think that's pretty much it that's right i'm definitely intrigued by rhyme now it was was that the game that What's the game I'm thinking of? And it might be Rhyme. It was like supposed to be an exclusive Xbox One. It title. was Rhyme. It was Rhyme, and then like Rhyme had some exclusivity complaints at the starting where it switched. Yeah, people. Bitch. I remember like this one scene from a trailer where it was like this little guy running, and they like zoomed it out, and he was running into like some cavern or something. I, they, it had to have been Rhyme. Just that name rings a bell. I'm definitely curious on that one now, though. Shit. At least it's short, mm-hmm. based off what you yeah, told me. Yeah. Yeah, not long at all. Six six to seven hours uh, puzzle work would be considered light, easy to mediocre. In my review, one of the things I said is don't overthink because basically I went in there and tried to build a fission reactor and all I really needed to do was start a fire. Like there was one puzzle where I'm all, okay, I need to grab this and put it on this and move this over here. And I found out it was like grab this rock and walk it 10 feet over there. <laughs> so you can overthink to the point of being – it's like I, I was sitting there for two hours going, what the fuck am I – like, I don't get it, but I was still involved. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, it can't just be that. And it was exactly that. Okay. And that was awesome to hmm. like sort of reset cool. myself and go, it's not about, it's not about fooling the player. It's not, it doesn't play tricks on you. It doesn't like, oh, we're so smart. It's, it's about exploration of, of the islands. And that's why okay. I liked it. Okay. Curious. Very curious. Now we were talking a little bit about backlogs here. And now it's time to talk about the Game Pass, which will eat up all the free time you ladies and gentlemen have out there who are listening. So it's officially coming June 1st. If you're an Xbox Live Gold member, it's already rolled out. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's $10 a month, features over 100 games, and you can buy the ones you want for a discounted price. And also, Carrick, you said that PC or uh, Play Anywhere titles work on PC entirely. Yes, so you'll get the PC and Xbox version. Of whatever one you download, insane man. That's some crazy fucking value. And also, as well, your your save progress um, continue even if your subscription lapses, your achievements, your your save files, etc. You'll still have them. Um, So, so should you choose to stop Game Pass, but you know you want to buy some of the other games that you've played through that, 
you can do that and pick up right where you left off. Hmm. It's so great value, here, to be honest. It is. It's insane, and it's something that you know we've talked about in past podcasts. Is that it's my firm belief that this is where that Microsoft is going for a backwards compatibility app style console with some unique value adds because right now they don't have first party, and so it's like Scorpio will be the third party console. They've got backwards compatibility, and they've got Game Pass. Sony's mm. got the more powerful consoles right now and better first first party. And I think that makes sense. I think this is a perfect, it makes complete sense when you step back and look at what Microsoft's been doing. Mm-hmm. This makes perfect sense. It like yeah. I mean, and we already had one of our absolute Xbox haters today on the podcast uh, announce that he bought a, the, it. It got announced and he bought it right away. He's like, I would have that's, 100 that's games awesome. for nine bucks, so I bought it. He's like, I bought the Xbox, and I've already started downloading stuff. That, that's and, great. Awesome. You know what's great as well is, you know, I, I think, what was it, $9 a month in, in the U.S. for yep. this thing? Now, usually when something comes right. to Australia or to a different country, <laughs> it's more expensive, but it's yep. $10 Australian. Like, yeah. really, really great value, even in international countries. I think, I think it's a great idea. It, it adds, adds more value to the Xbox One. And do you know what I'm really liking about this? Because I don't, I don't know if I want to conclusively say that we'll never see a new uh, console, like new console from Xbox, as in from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One. But mm-hmm. it seems like we're leaning towards that. I, I think we're just going to be getting, every two or three years, we'll get a better Xbox One. Um, and because why else would this be changing now? Like we, yeah. you have this Xbox One that's getting new titles. You have your a, a bunch of Xbox 360 backwards compatible that are still being added to like every week it seems. And now you've got Game Pass that has over a hundred titles. We don't need uh, new new consoles anymore. Like we don't need a PS5. We don't need an Xbox Two. This this is like the ideal world for gamers. Really, it is. I mean, th- there's no it's need to and then focus on the games. Exactly right. And and then every couple of years when you think that your current console is getting sluggish, like with the PC, it's the exact same in the PC, you have to upgrade parts, um, then you get a new console. The, I, I think this is great. And, and then it's not like you're getting a new console and then every single game in the past libraries are restricted to, to you. Like you can't buy any of those older titles. Now they're accessible to you at an awesome value and awesome price. I think it's an amazing idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... I'm definitely looking into buying the Game Pass, but it's also that um, I don't struggle to find things to play, so to say. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's just, I don't know how much it would work out, but I mean, I've looked into it just to support Microsoft. I mean, that's a fucking awesome offer, in my opinion. What I'm most excited about, though, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is raspy right now, is the uh, the potential of this getting Sony to revamp their PS Now thing entirely. Yeah. Price point, streaming bullshit, all that stuff. I mean, the fact that I'd have to pay like fucking 10 bucks to rent a game for an hour or something along those lines, I mean, that's just ludicrous. And, and so that's what I'm most looking forward to with this whole Game Pass thing is the competition it's going to bring. And I wonder yeah. how, um, how GameStop's going to adapt to it. Because they're going to focus on merchandise and accessories. Yeah, it's like that's, <laughs> that's another, what they're going to do. Another shot to them, right? I mean, apparently well, they, I mean, sorry, well, I was just saying. Apparently, they had a decline, so it's again. So it's like, yeah. what can they do? Year, year on year, their profits went down. Apparently, the, the switch is doing pretty well for them. Like, the, the, obviously, they're not going away, and they're going to find other ways to diversify their business. Yeah. But um, yeah, like every, every decision like this, every new service like this from a publisher. 
um, or like you know, like Microsoft or PlayStation, uh, GameStop is becoming not less relevant, but kind of. <laughs> yeah. Unless you like physical uh, games, I love physical. Mm. So, I was actually that's what my point was going to be. Is I I have a comic book store about a hundred yards from me, and digital comics have taken over. So. I think you'll always have those fans who like their physical items. Mm-hmm. But to, to me, the, the one, you know, I heard some people say, well, I'm not really in love with the library. And, and I totally get that because depending yeah. on, on what you want to get and what's there. To me, though, I, when it comes to PSN in particular, I'm just going to be honest because I tweeted about this a couple of days ago. Uh, I, I think that they have so many problems Everything from being hacked, even if you have second stage authorization, to horrible download speeds. I I believe that what we're seeing here is the difference between the two companies and one that like it or hate it Microsoft is a software company right mm. and they and they're understanding how to move things their metrics the data which is my that's my subject matter that's the data they get they know what people use how they do it they know where to put things Sony does a really good job they got a powerful system and they've got better first party but their infrastructure I mean I, I'm not talking about the hacking, the old hacking. That was dumb enough. But I'm talking about situations like the current hacking where if somebody gets a hack and you have second stage authorization, some people are losing their accounts forever. And Sony's like, yep, you're, you're screwed. You know, you, you're, oh, somebody stole your PS4. That's the new thing now where somebody can register your PS4 as their PS4 somewhere else and they get all your games. And Sony doesn't have the best steps in place to fix those issues. But their speed is terrible. I want Sony to actually just get equal to Xbox of old, let alone match Game Pass. Uh, they need to they need to really fix things. For example, right now, That's if right. I go in and try to add a code on their website, there's a very good chance their code will just be like, sorry, can't you can't enter a code right now and go to like the most horrible generic Japanese all, no English writing web page. Like mm. it, it, they show they show a lack of care or at least a lack of knowledge about that they just want you to pay 10 bucks for a rental and you're like that's not you don't get me that way you get me with a working system and then i buy into that system so i mean hey here's a car brakes will be included later you know fuck you like that's (laughs) that's the that's the dumbest idea i've ever heard of and Mm. a lot of these companies like to do it so nintendo's the same way guys i'm done i'm so tired of the switch i like it needs to have its digital storefront up its old games up i mean like it needs to all that kind of stuff should have been done day one. Like some mm-hmm. of this stuff is just starting to piss me off. Like it's just it's you know, you know when, when it comes to the switch, I'm like needle withholding judgment until E3. I I, I think they're gonna have a big announcement with virtual console and they stuff at E3. I, I hope could be so. I could be wrong. You know, they have but to. They, re- I mean, they have I to. completely agree. They they need to to release virtual console, but that's a side. Apparently, discussion. it's selling well yeah. regardless, though. Which I gotta admit, I mean, I like my Switch a lot, but it that confuses the fuck out of me. I <laughs> really, I I yeah, like it. Pretty... I like it, but that really puzzles me. I mean, they have had two games come out of value, and they're selling pretty. But it's well. it's the it's the idea that people are being sold on the fact that you can play anywhere, like regardless of what games there are currently. I can see why so many people want to buy it. I mean, that's the whole reason I wanted to buy it. If this if Switch was a was another traditional regular console that you could only play at home, I wouldn't have bought it because I then I would have looked at the the game library and thought, well, you've just got Zelda and you've just got um, 
Odyssey coming out whenever it is. Um, but the fact that you can take it on the go, man, um, it's perfect. Like Mario Kart 8, that is the best game to play on a train because you can finish a cup and a half or something of, of that game and it's just fucking awesome time. It's really, really fun. But I, I agree they need Virtual Console very soon because now I'm looking towards games and thinking, all right, uh, I, I'm about to play Street Fighter 2, but it's an old game. What's the next big title for me after Zelda? You've got Monster Hunter. You've got Dragon Ball Xenoverse, which I am looking forward to, Super Mario yes. Odyssey. But... Mm, May, payday, yeah, but they, they need a little bit more. Rehashes, like Xenoverse it's, it's is interesting. But like I've played Xenoverse one and two a lot, so it's like mm. I don't have a reason to buy it on the Switch. Fair enough. You know, they just they, Skyrim. They sense. do have Skyrim, but you know, again, 2011 game. Yeah, bought Skyrim million and one times. <clears throat> it's yeah. just yeah. that's the thing. It's like yeah, and we we've rehashed this discussion so many times, yeah. so we won't stick on it too long. It's just that that's why I'm confused. It's got the fucking awesome idea as a gamer like it's the ideal system for me you know i loved my vita yeah. and the switch is an ideal step up in every shape way shape and form they just need the games they just need the games or else it's gonna end yeah. up like the vita where everyone's gonna be Dude, like i love it so much but it fucking sucks it should be called nintendo game pass technically that should it, microsoft is doing something nintendo should be doing right now mm-hmm. and the, it, like you you should right now i should be paying nine bucks a month to play all the old nintendo titles you know right what now. i honestly i do believe that with the Game Pass now, when they release a virtual console, instead of, like, you could have the option of buying a, a game um, or, you know, renting the virtual console service or Game Pass, whatever you, whatever you call it, and then you get access to all of those games for a certain amount of uh, dollars every month. I think that would be great, to be honest. Yeah, me too. You know what bothers me? It's a little bit like buying a sports car and putting a fucking giant block of wood under this, uh, you know, gas pedal. Because <laughs> for me, I have bandwidth caps. So Microsoft is like, hey, here's here's uh, 100, 130 games. And I'm like, yeah, once I get to three, because of my risque video downloading, just joking, I, uh, <laughs> I can't, I, I, I don't have a lot of bandwidth. I mean, and a YouTuber, especially a YouTuber, uploading, downloading all the stuff we do, fuck, man, I'm already out. I hit it. Like, now, I was close, and we're on the 26th, but for this month, I had a ton of space until they announced it. And as of yesterday, I instantly was over. Like, it was just like... Mm-hmm. Got this game, got this game. And I was sitting there going, this is so weird because not only am I paying for internet and I'm paying for early access, or I'm sorry, uh, Microsoft uh, Game Pass, and I'm paying for Xbox Live. The fact is, is that the delivery service for me in particular, Comcast, has bandwidth caps. So I actually can't get, like, I can't get what I've paid for. It's so weird. It's so, it's, I don't know if anything, it would be almost like gas stations just raising the price and saying, you know what? You got a 20 gallon gas tank. Here's five gallons. You know, uh, I have to drive 200 miles. Why is it that Comcast still has, um, bandwidth limits on it? Like, not still, not still. They just, they've started adding them. They're doing the opposite of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Comcast just now is for more that they could have already given you. Exactly. Exactly. Is there a so, plan where you can have unlimited data? There is. It's uh, another set fifty or seventy-five bucks. Exactly. On top. On top. On of which, top. So you're talking one hundred and seventy for me because I have business internet anyway for faster speed for uploading. I think that would be about one hundred and sixty-five or one hundred and seventy-five dollars. That's insane. That's that's absolutely insane. Like yeah. right now where I am, I've got. I think it's around ninety to one hundred dollars a month. I have pretty good internet. Like what, one of the few. It's increasing, but one of the few households in Australia that does have good internet, about 100 down, 40 up, 
um, and I have unlimited data for a hundred dollars yeah, a month. It's pretty. It's it's like still expensive, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's just it's a weird situation to be restricted for stuff you paid for. Like it's I don't know. Mm. It's just really odd. Yeah, mm. it's it's a complete cap. That's the best way of putting it. It's pretty unfair. Yeah, but, like you said, Garrick. Yeah, that's the other thing is that some people won't even get full use out of the Game Pass because of the the internet. That's what I meant. Bandwidth cap. So it's. It's an awkward position to be in, once again, one of those things where it's situational in a lot of ways. I have a question. If you doubt... Wait a minute. If So if, if Maddie gives me a, uh, Gears, and I play Gears with his physical copy, and then I also have an account with Game Pass, will I have to download it again? Because if not, then there's some ways around for some people. Uh, that's it. Do you see what I'm saying? If it's already installed, Wait, and I'm gonna say I doubt it because like I doubt it. Too, what would be fuckers. the point? I mean, but, but like, it, it wouldn't make sense. That, like, if you got Game Pass and then you're like, well, I can't download it, but I can go buy no borrowing. I was talking about like borrowing it from a yeah, friend yeah. But I guess, but it's that's such a limited circumstance. Like, no one would go like aside from that. The only other option is to buy a pre-owned version for a couple of dollars, and then that way you don't have to download it. But then yeah. you're already buying the game, so you know, yeah. Mm. yeah. I just wonder if it works, like, at all, yeah. like, technically. I, I, and remember, this is, I, I hope everybody remembers, um, Game Pass is uh, what the Xbox One was originally planned to do day one. So it's very interesting that we've made this circle, and That's I think true. Microsoft shows that they, that they didn't handle the PR up front, and they could have. They could have explained what these systems were uh, day one, and they didn't, and they had to rejigger the entire system and I, you know we what? are we are now right exactly where we would have started three years ago or two. It years is ago. it it's is all like down to Phil Spencer, but yeah, Phil Spencer has he's the fucking man. <laughs> he's he's like you don't have to agree with everything that he does, right? Oh, but of course, he has just turned this ship around, and he's doing such a fucking amazing job with that company. I, I couldn't imagine anyone better. To run that, and I hope he's getting his damn bonuses because he deserves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, I'm finds sure he's out he's like living in a shack and he got a yeah. yurt. <laughs> can I can I eat this week? No, yeah. get the game pass out. I, I have a feeling uh, he's he's probably doing quite well. I was going to say read... I have. <laughs> I can only imagine because I've seen the. Uh, I don't know why I was reading about it, but Larry Herb, there was something about like how he was offered different jobs from outside of microsoft and like the money they were offering to pay that guy was fucking insane and he yeah. stayed with microsoft and i'm assuming it's because they also were probably paying yeah. him pretty well so like, I, I really i really like larry herb major nelson um i i met him last year at pax australia and oh, he's, just... he's yeah he's such a cool cool yes. guy you know um really likable i I, I when i saw him at pax east i was like no no i was <laughs> it's, it's... I just wanted to say something, but I was like, I imagine saying hi and then him stopping, and I'm like, fuck, what do I say next? <laughs> I accosted Phil Spencer at, uh, where were we? We were at, um, Jesus, that would have been GDC. He was walking mm-hmm. down the street, and I'm like, Phil, you fucking rock! And he looked over at me, and he's he knows the channel. So he's like, what's up, man? I was like, nothing. That's all I have to say. I'm just going <laughs> to scream at you on the side of the street. He just started laughing, and then we walked off. He's probably like, fuck, man. This is the one thing I hate about being <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like uh, He was a nice guy. But that, that's a cool thing, too, is like Jack Trenton for Sony um, really showed how a person can be honest and awesome. Peter Moore, uh, Phil Spencer, 
those, those guys, are, I personally believe, and, and Larry, to a lesser extent, just because of, of positioning, I think that uh, it shows that some of the guys who are in there are, are actually fairly passionate, like gamers, and understand, yeah, they're never your friend, right? They're trying to make money. But what of they course. do understand is they have a common place with you. And they're like, I was a gamer, or I am a gamer, and I get it. So even if I get it, and I'm still trying to get mine, mm. you, they understand that so is the gamer. See, that's the thing. A lot of gamers like to pretend we're all moral, and be like, I am the pastor of gaming. No, you're not. <laughs> Fuck off. You're not. So what happens is the game developer's trying to make money. You're trying to get the most out of it. And yet you yell that they're trying to get more from you. It's like, you know, you're trying to get more as well. So... I think it's fair. I think there's some really nice people in the industry, and it's nice to see a lot of folks looking at these guys Definitely. and going, oh. And I have to, hats off to uh, IGN, because, uh, what's his name? Ryan McCafferty's uh, videos where he does, I think it's just called Inside, I can't remember, but where he has uh. people come on. Jack Trenton came on, and he just started talking, and it's very open. And Phil Spencer's cool. come on, and it's amazing. Peter Molyneux's come on, and you, when you leave, you're like, I get it. Like, I get it. You know, yeah. I, I know much more about this person than five years of PR announcements. I need, I need to ever. watch that, those interviews yeah. then. Dude, that they're really interesting. Ryan is excellent. I love him. He, dude, yeah. he's, he is at Adam Sessler. I love, you know, but he's gone oh, love for the Adam most part. Um, but Ryan is, I think, in many ways, sort of an evolution of that. And um, he those videos are fucking fantastic. When he got Jack Trenton to basically admit, Jack's like, nobody at Sony would apologize for the fucking hack. And he just decided if I get fired, I get fired. And he just walked out and he's like, before we begin and everybody at Sony was like, what are you doing? And he's like, before we begin, I just want to apologize to everybody. And people are like, that's unscripted. It's almost unheard of. And Sony was like, no, oh, okay. And Jack was like, I'm just going to say it. And uh, I'm going to cool. apologize to people. Cause we, we had never apologized. I, just, I don't know. I like that. It shows that's, that, mm, you know, they're wild. people too. It's down to, down to earth. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that wraps up the news I had on my list. You guys got any more to toss out there? I well, do, but I'll let Lone go. He's got some. Well, I was going to ask you, um, Carrick, how long do you have? How long can we keep you here shackled? Oh, a- actually, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm good to go because of uh, the other person won't be here for many hours. The other so. person. <laughs> well, yeah. I, just in case there's some hotties out there hoping that Carrick the lumberjack is free, I don't want to save my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always say that because that one person who sent me the email or sent me the package. I don't know if I told you guys, but I had a fan slash hater and he sent me a personal package here to my home and it was um, oh, no. pretty unac- unacceptable. So a lot of times I, I won't say, yeah, it was pretty uh... gnarly. All because of a review. And so I, uh, hey, I, you know, I usually are a matter of life or death. Am I right? I usually like change around what I say. To, uh, God damn. Yeah, I got God I'm good. What, what do we got going on? Alrighty, so I, I want to really talk about Prey 2's original story. I don't know if you saw this article run on Eurogamer. So obviously Prey 2 was cancelled, became the praise we know today. I like the game. I thought it had a really interesting story. But Eurogamer did this piece on the original story for Prey 2, and I just want to read it. Just like three paragraphs. It's not that long. Mm-hmm. And I want to read it to you and see what you guys think because the twist in the end... I reckon that would have just would have been fantastic. This is in gonna a game. kill me. This it's gonna kill you. Yeah, all right. So gonna, the main character the concept for the the second the original second prey. 
But but you know what's interesting, and as I read this, you'll see where the praise we know it today got its influence from in terms of the you um, get tested for the neuromods and your memory gets reset. But anyway, so the main character's name is Demasi, all right? So he's the reluctant hero of Prey, was intended to play a much larger role in Prey 2 than it, than it appeared when the game was first announced. The two of them would eventually meet up. Um, the two of them, what, what are they talking about here? Main I think it's another character. And... Yeah. Uh, the two of them would eventually meet up and work together to take down the game's real villains. But it's revealed near the end that the game, uh, it, end of the game, that every time Samuels dies, that's the other character, he'd reawaken in his apartment on Exodus, apparently none the worse for where, but with no memory of his death and reincarnation. So this is because every time Samuels died, his consciousness would be transferred into a new clone. Um, the source and unknown, but from the sounds of it, somehow connected to Tommy, leaving him with no memory of the experience, something that happened literally hundreds of times during his 10 years on Exodus. The true extent of this process would be made clear during the final attack on the bad guys, when he'd enter a room filled with dozens of dead clones, evidence of his past efforts, and repeated failures to bring them down. But the real twist is that when all is said and done, Samuels would eventually get back to Earth, where he'd li- live a long and happy life, raise a family, and eventually die peacefully, surrounded by his loved ones, only to awaken in his apartment on Exodus in a new clone body. So you would play as this character that constantly has, you know, essentially his memory reset, and then towards the end, you would have a happy life, everything is done, you're with your family, and then your body gets reset again. Wouldn't have just that just been a fucking mind fuck in the end? Yeah, that you, you thought you had the peaceful ending, and, and you woke uh, up, and it's like, hey, it's happening again. <laughs> You know what? Like very, very similar thing with with Soma. I don't. I know Carrick, you don't like it, but I won't give spoilers. But the way that game ends, it's just like, oh, fuck you. You know, <laughs> there's there was a rumor that um, there was a rumor that Prey 2's story had some issues with another title, and I'm sure, without spoiling anything, uh, that um, Maddie knows what title I'm going to talk about. But there's a particular psych cyclic storytelling in a game that just got released recently that's a sort of an action style and there's a a consistent retelling and a consistent clone consistent waking up consistent not having memories and what's funny is one of the endings i'm is very close to what you just described and so that adds to me even more credence to the rumor that that somewhere almost like armageddon and deep impact Somebody said, here's our story. Somebody said, here's our story. And somebody else went, oh, shit. I could be wrong, but that story is very close to another game that the thing with just the, came uh, out a couple months ago. Wow. The thing with the psychological transferring of consciousness is, is that um, one game that I thought did it really well was Zero Escape Virtue's Last Reward. The only difference is that <laughs> is a game that I don't think a lot of people have played. It's a visual novel. Right. In a, a puzzle game. It, it's definitely a game that's cult classic. Um, so that's funny that um, these games about transferring conscious, uh, transferring your conscience into another body or something like that. Uh, Prey, one game Carrick and I won't mention, uh, Zero Escape, and now this original Prey 2 concept. It's funny how it's just recently started yeah. really rolling. Um because it's a unique mindfuckery type of storytelling, but it's become really common. And now it's a best way to handle it is that game we won't mention and the emotions involved right. in yep. said game, uh, in yep. my personal opinion. So 
Uh, what's awesome, though, is that when I looked at the original Prey 2, I never viewed that as a story game. I mean, I, I remember being sold entirely mm. on the gameplay because, you know, I saw him, and at the time it was more revolutionary, but the guy was, like, sliding on the ground, throwing those fucking bull-ass, like, yeah. wrapping up someone's ankles. You'd interrogate them if you killed them or if you were nice to them and, you know, yeah. got the information out of them. Like, based on how your interrogation sequence went, uh, that would change up how the story progressed. I really like that because it seems like a modernized, better version of Star Wars Bounty Hunter, and so I yeah. was really on board with that game. Uh, it's still, even though I like the first the, or the uh, Prey reboot, I have to say that um, it's, I still find it a shame that that second one got canceled. I, you know, not because I didn't like it as much as I wanted to, but I, I think the second one had a lot of potential as well. So it's like, well, and, and that to... story, like I, I think to be honest, if that had played out, I would have liked that story more than this Prey. Um, not to say that I didn't like this prey, but I think that that kind of story, um, it just it would have mind fucked me at the end. And again, add another game to that list of, of transferring consciousness is Soma. Right, the, the, the only kind of um, worry that I have with that game, that that style of storytelling, is that it gets too close to the whole it was a dream mechanic. Like yeah, you could you could use that and and then I guess undermine the entire story, which I don't think. Uh, I went. I'll stop talking. I'll stop talking because I want to spoil the game. Yeah. See, yeah, I just, I know, Carrick, you, you fucking love Prey. You said you beat it four times. Yeah, I, just now. Yeah. I beat it a fourth time. I just. Okay, I here's why. Let me tell you something, Maddie, and, and you're being totally honest. I think uh, it's not any better than what you think because that's your experience, right? So, like, I don't think your score or whatever your thought process is bad, but something that. Um, Lone and I talked about and something I had wanted to mention. We haven't got a chance. I personally believe that because you came off of Persona and I did not, I came off of another game and mm-hmm. you enter this type of storytelling that, that there is a chance that it does not play as well. If you're coming off a directed very, and especially one of your favorite games, I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. but you come you come off of this and you go into it. Now I don't think prey would have been, magically better for you mm-hmm. but sometimes sometimes when you were talking about not getting story and i'm like well wait a minute there's story literally everywhere even in like level structure but it dawned on me if i had come off persona and this is the honest truth if i'd come no, off persona no, i like to... i'm i might have had the same issue as you did if i had mm-hmm. come off persona but i didn't but i liked personas very like you know 120 hours of fucking <laughs> yeah. you know of school um but then if I go into this wide open, almost no idea what's going on, I don't know if I would have been uh, as open to it. And I'm, I don't know. I, I just wanted to, I mean, do you? No, that's a, you what, think yeah. And, and that's you possible? don't have to apologize for saying that, by the way. And I think that's a good point. I don't think I do a good job of, uh, I forgot what term you use. Motor setting? You, yeah. Re- motor, motor set. Setting, motor set. Where you kind of reset before the next game. Like, I don't imprint my expectations on a long jrpg onto a i wouldn't even call probably an rpg first, really first you know, player like, yeah something mm, first yeah. storytelling kind of thing um because i know what type of games to expect from arcane my issue really my frustration rather really boiled down to some of the game mechanics and how mm. depending on how you played the game it could pan out really good or yep. in my case it didn't pan out that well where you know i was doing some of the story i was like all right i want to do some side stuff and i go back because during the story, enemies respawn because yeah. of certain things happening. I'm like, yep. fuck. You know, I, I wanted to go back. Yep. But now it's like a, it gets a little more tedious. Where, say I was going through the story, and when I unlocked that side quest, I immediately went and did it. Yeah. Yep. Then it's different. You know what? 
I, I, I do want to touch on that, the whole, you know, oh, the, I don't even remember what they're called, the, the typhon, whatever. Yeah, the typhon. They, they multiply. That's why when you go back to a, a room that they're, they've respawned. I think that's, I don't want to say lazy, but I think it's stupid. I understand how loosely it makes sense that, you know, when you go back to a room, there are enemies there because they've multiplied or whatever it is. But it just makes side questing a chore and while it makes sense narrative wise gameplay wise it didn't make it fun i, I didn't enjoy like, when i wanted to do a side quest thinking because i was on a harder difficulty thinking ah oh, fuck i only have this amount of, of items if i go back and do the side quest i'm going to get fucked up by these enemies and i'm probably going to lose a bunch of ammo and lose a bunch of items is it worth it is it worth going back and usually I, i'd say no i just i'll just do the main story i didn't like that to be honest and can we reach a certain point in this podcast where we start talking about spoilers? Because there's one so. bit about we're, Prey. We're deep enough. All right, so this is Prey spoilers. Yeah. It's Ladies and gentlemen, the game. if you've not played Prey, the reboot by Arcane Studios, released May, <laughs> I think, 17th or something along those lines. 15th, I, yeah. 15th, then please go play it if you would like to and then come back to the show. But if you have played it and you would like to hear or a little skip bit of ahead spoilers, one minute. Yeah, or I will yeah. have timestamps in the description clearly labeling. Yeah. That's what I've been writing down on my phone the whole time. That's uh, what we'll do. Yeah, so if you guys want to skip to another segment, go ahead and do so. And now, Lone, please continue. Okay. I, with the I've ending been of fucking Prey, waiting for this. I'll say that much. All right, all right. All right. Let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> the ending of Prey, I think it, it was leaning towards the whole it was a dream, Okay. I don't think it reached that point, so I wasn't disappointed in that regard. And I think the ending was interesting and the whole mechanic of we're trying to teach this type, like this phantom, um, not teach, but give give him the memories of Morgan to try and reach this truce or, or try and connect with the, with the race that has just destroyed the Earth. I liked that. What I didn't like and what kind of pissed me off is that I played that whole game not getting one alien neuromod. Not one, because I thought the ending would have been so bad if I experimented with alien neuromods. So I just got the regular ones. But it didn't matter in the end. Unless you just, you killed everyone, you got every alien neuromod. I don't believe, like, I think there was only, it was very hard to get the ending where they're like, oh, we fucked it up, we got to start again, and they kill the phantom in the, in the chair, right? If, unless you played so bad to get to that point, you you usually got the ending where you had the chance to shake their to, to shake Morgan's hand or to kill everyone in the room, and and that's essentially one. It's it's the good ending. Doesn't matter what they the robots say about you, and they're like, well, he saved me. Well, he did this, he did that. So long as Morgan got to the point where you could shake his hand, oh sorry, the Phantom got to the point where you could shake Alex's hand. That's essentially the good ending. And I was pissed off because I went through that game not using one alien neuromod because I thought I was going to get a terrible ending if I did, and I didn't. So the choice in that game is really, really lame. I, I hated that with a passion. <laughs> That's just my opinion. I feel like Eric's uh, so. gonna gonna pop off because I know Lone and I sit on the same spectrum of the ending. I see my thing though is um, it wasn't like how I built my character. I said screw it. I was like I like the alien powers. This game's pretty hard. I'm gonna use the alien powers. So, and I think if you use the alien par- powers, the game actually gets harder, um, which I thought was pretty cool. And I'm just assuming on that part because some people have said, oh, I didn't use the alien powers. It was still a pretty easy game. And I'm like, I used the alien powers and had a lot well, more Well, you have trouble. the turrets that fire at you and aliens notice you easily, mm-hmm. more easy. So it does get harder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you go. Um, but for me, I did use them. What rubbed me really the wrong way is that I guess it's what you saw the potential of because 
I like how the game slipped in choice that you didn't know about until you beat the game. So, um, Dr. Iway, I think his name is the guy. Iway, yeah. there we go. He's in space and he's like, Hey, yeah. I need your help. And I, I was yeah. like trying to, <laughs> I'm putting in the code, like hacking it, trying to think, I don't know why me fucking opening up his container. I thought that was going to help him. And you killed he's like, him. Yeah, he's like, he's like, Hey, what are you like that? And he just spaces out. I'm like, Oh, I did that too. Yeah. I'm like, I reloaded oh, the save. I felt yeah. so dumb. I'm like, wow, I just fucking killed him. Why did I think opening it would help him? <laughs> but yeah. So like that part, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to roll with what happened here. Whatever. We're going to, you know, right. we're going to see how much consequence happens. Then you get to the part where the four operators are sitting around you. Yeah. And he's like, he killed me. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, you know, that's the yeah. guy I accidentally spaced. And then the game, I had this three out of four split, and they still let me make the decision. They're like, what What are you going to do? Are you going to shake my hand or are you going to kill me? So I know it's exactly. not really an RPG, but my issue lies in the fact that I they clearly were experimenting on the Typhon to see if they had any way of reaching a truce, humanizing yeah. it, seeing what it was like through the eyes of a human. And... Yeah. Then the Typhon still makes the choice. I, I didn't get that. I thought it would make more sense if, based off how the experience was handled, what the operators and Morgan would choose to do. Would they go, he saved yeah. us for the most part. You know, let's let's try to work this truce out. Or And the handshake happens naturally. Or, he fucking killed us. What do we do? And right they take us out. Or, if you're really bad, like you said... You you know you kill everyone. You go all alien powers, and I'm not just talking main characters. I'm talking like you just go into that one section where um there's like all these people bunkered down in the uh, the cargo bay, and you kill them too. Like you just you fucking kill everyone. That you mm-hmm. automatically do that thing where you stab Morgan in the stomach. Like that would have been cool. Because my biggest issue, and once again, I'm gonna reiterate. I know it's not an RPG really. But I saw so much potential and a choice and consequence here that was possible. It wasn't really anything overbearing like an RPG with branching story paths. This is more so something I connected to the ending. And you could have had like a couple of permutations that actually made it feel like, wow, I want to go back and do that again. Yeah, yeah. And, and I felt they dropped the ball on that. That was my uh, probably number one sour point with the game. And, and I know Carrick wants to jump here too. I just want to qu- quickly say I agree with what you're saying. And in that regard, it, 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 it shouldn't just be so long as you killed everyone and used every alien neuromod, that that's the only way you get the bad ending. There should be a kind of a spectrum here where if you killed a couple of the operators and if you used some alien neuromods, that should be enough for them not to trust you. Not not just because if you've just killed everyone, that that's the only thing that makes you, makes them not trust you. Well, yeah, put there, 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 issues, needs, right? there had to be more of a gray line there. Like, for, for instance, there are the four operators there and there are, let's say, ten alien neuromods. It's a bad guess, but if you, you if you killed two of them and used five alien neuromods, then that's enough for them not to trust you. That would have been better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The only issue Instead that of just pops all up with that, and, and then I want to hear Carrick's thoughts, the, the only issue that I guess pops up with that is that a player could kind of toe the line and get an ending they don't want. Or that but you didn't, didn't know that. You didn't know yeah. that at the start. Exactly. Right? But uh, Carrick, I'm, I'm yeah, very us. curious to... <laughs> I mean, I, in a way, we're arguing... So, or not arguing, we're talking about something that happens in all games, which is sort of a suspension of disbelief of your actions having any sort of consequences. Yeah. Um, so I felt that there were consequences. Maybe they weren't the best, so I wouldn't disagree um, with almost anything that you guys said, uh, if that's what you felt when, when mm-hmm. you got to the ending. Okay. I felt two things happened 
and continue to happen whenever I replay that game just magnificently. The first mm. is the fact that when you get the alien mods, the fact that the world you have created prior turns against you is fantastic. And I quite literally can't remember another title where if you put a turret down and you're using these mods, that turret that you fucking put down will turn on you. That's right. insane. That is mm-hmm. next level. Um, the the stuff that I noticed, if you watch the Game of Sutra video where they take two hours and they play the first two hours with the developer and he talks about the layered storytelling, that's the stuff I noticed. Um, mm-hmm. So what I noticed was the story as I was experiencing it. And then you get to the ending and to be Honest, I didn't find it worse than most game endings. I didn't maybe find it better than most after I beat it multiple times. But I wasn't so shocked or so, like, you know, like Lone was really pissed about something. Lone was also on a difficulty that I played second time through. And uh, so yeah. there, there, there's the situation, and we talk about this all the time, and this is one of the reasons why I'm bothered by the possibility of Far Cry. It's the fact that when you have a, a game that's a sandbox style, you have a game that is a, a, filled with a lot of choice. The balancing towards the hard can become almost impossible to make sure that the narrative is told in a cohesive fashion to the game player. And so yeah. when when Maddie comes off a of persona with a vo- very cohesive storytelling, even if it's crazy weird shit, <laughs> you, he still gets it, right? Yeah. But when you go into Prey and you have an audio log here and a person telling you a random thing here and then a robot lying to you here and then another one saying that he's lying about the thing that you found... And uh-huh. if you experience it after 40 deaths because the game is hard, it will have less impact. And that's one of the reasons why I believe that developers need to start going with the fact that if you want to make a game harder or easier, remove easy, medium, and hard and start allowing for options within the game itself to be changed. Allow mm-hmm. for me to adjust that pickups have a certain amount of weapon bullets. But, but let me also say I don't want to have more damage be done to me. And the reason why is because I think developers are losing, with this many gamers playing, that developers are losing that cohesive structure, and so they're trying to tell it in this open fashion, and that is not going to be the same. I had somebody who just told me about Nier, and they're like, I didn't understand any of it. It was so fucking hard. And I'm like, I get it. I, I, I get it. I totally yeah. get where that person's coming from. And I mm-hmm. think that that is a problem. I wouldn't even say with the game developers. What's weird though it's, is that it's a problem with game development. In that specific mm. instance with Nier, what's strange is that they have not only difficulty settings, but they also have chips for specific difficulties. That's yeah, what's strange about that one. But yeah, that's it. That is strange. I actually mm. just on me. They they do. And yeah, I don't know. I mm. I agree with mm. you guys though. I just didn't experience it in the way you did. Yeah. And so I think that that's a big I, deal. I, 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 also, still, I still think I, it was a great game. But yeah, yeah I just want to say something about respawning enemies. Um. It may be lazy. It may be. But I'm going to tell you, when I kill the 40th guard in, in a Thief game, which is one of my favorite games of all time, and then I return and he's back, uh, in Thief 3, for example, where they have the open world levels, uh, any of these games where you have consistently returning enemies, I will, I'm going to be honest, I will just bite into whatever shitty explanation they give because it's better than nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be like, uh, okay, I've killed this dude 800 times. He said the same things. He's got the same fucking voice actor. Like, yeah. why is why is Mel returning from the dead? Now, now I, I don't even care about me. I want to investigate Mel. Is Mel, you know, some kind of resurrectionist? Like, how is this occurring right. with Mel? So, to me, I'm okay. If they're like, hey, you know, the Typhon are doing it for this reason, I'm like, whatever. I'll buy off well, on that. I'm pretty I mean, easily... 
Lied Fallout <laughs> kind of does that where uh, Fallout you, does, you, yeah. you clear out an area and then half hour later they're back because, you know, the Raiders took over the area now and, you know, they, they come back because they're a dominant gang in the in the region. So it's like, yeah, I guess, you know, situationally it, it always makes sense, but it never makes it less tedious. It just makes more sense. Yeah, um, yeah. As for the storytelling in the game, I did appreciate the layered storytelling, especially when you go back that second time and what was a general line. I made this in my video about Chris Avalon where what would be received as a general line of dialogue after that second right. playthrough, you're like, Oh fuck that meant yep. that, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that's littered all throughout prey in a, in a second playthrough. And so that's one thing I really do appreciate about the game is it's writing. Um, I think that's probably one of its strongest qualities. It's just, that I feel like with all that ability, that's why the ending really felt, I felt dropped the ball. Cause there was potential, for it to be, you know, j- not only a fantastic ending, but I feel like uh, one of the best choice consequence endings that we've seen in gaming in a fucking long time. I mean, yeah, God, I can't think of the last game that uh, maybe first one that comes to mind is like Life is Strange, maybe where like, you know, your choices have like this direct impact on the narrative and you will get multiple endings that actually are truly different, not just mm. good and evil, you know, like right. actual this is what you did this is the impact. And now there's another impact later on because you did that. That's the type of shit. And, and, and you know what? I think the reason why you're saying that there was so much potential there is because I strongly believe that in the lead up to, to the ending, the game built it up fantastically. I, I think it kept you intrigued enough. It, it gave you enough information as you plotted along to be, you know, kept interested in the story. And I think it climaxed really well. Like it led towards the climax really well. I think that was definitely the case. It's just that if, if, and, and this is probably, this was the intention of the game. So for instance, like when, when you first use alien neuromods, uh, January warns you, well, I don't know if you're, you're going to be yourself or something like that when you start using them. So the game puts that kind of sliver of doubt in your mind. And it just so happened that I decided at that point not to use any because I was so fearful of the consequences. But then I get to the end and figure out, fuck, I could have used some and it still would have been okay. And that's the exact, like the, the game was intending to do that. That It put just enough down in my mind to, to make that decision, but actually it wasn't going to end out as bad as I thought it would. So mm-hmm. that was actually kind of, it was shitty because I didn't get to use any alien neuromods, but it was also brilliant in how it made me choose in that regard. Yeah, so the I, th- game, I, I the it's a double-edged with sword. Its, uh, with its, for example, terminals, and you'll read about shit about, like people are saying about you, more than yeah. you, I should say. Um, yeah, like you said, that that little self-doubt, they planted a lot, yeah. like, uh, oh, oh, fucking Alex always saying, like, Morgan, you're not yourself. Just come, we'll talk, we'll straighten this out. And you're like, what's wrong with me? I think I'm fine. Like, am I going to uh, look in the mirror uh, and see someone that's not me? Um, that's kind of what I was expecting, because the yeah. whole game, like, the mirrors don't work, and I realized that's a tech thing. And I was waiting to the end of the game, they're like, Morgan, <laughs> look at yourself, and he spins the fucking chair, and, like, you're a typhoon because you've been using so many neural mods or something like that. Um, yeah. I was expecting something along those lines too in, in the back of my head, but um, that that's the type of storytelling I did like in the game was a lot of the almost deus ex storytelling, a lot through mm. the uh, the in- imaginative interactions between characters, the audio logs, that type of stuff mm. I really liked. Also as I well, al- like, and this is interesting because this is from the experience of someone else that decided to do the December quest line where you end the game early. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you ever I actually did, did that, but... He said that when he did that quest line because he was curious and the game got ended early, it ruined the story for him 
because then he realized what it was all about. Because if you take that ending, you, you finish that quest, you what happens? You wake up in the chair and Alex is like, no, nah, we fucked up. It, it, this is a bad phantom, whatever. We got to do it again. Start over. And then he's like, oh, fuck, I realized that it's kind of, it's uh, it, it's an imagination or it's a, you know, um, a testing that's going on or whatever it is. I, but The way I think of it is, as a developer, they're they're not that stupid. They don't put that there early in the game. You can get it so easily way before the game even starts to end. They know you can get that so easily. So you go ahead, you do it. They're like, escape the station, save game. You leave. No one's going to shut off the game after that. I'm sorry. Like, I can't nah, imagine nah, anyone. You're right. You're right. And so yeah. it's like, when that happened for me, I was like, I fucking, I had a feeling. I was like, I know I'm not actually me on this PlayStation. I don't know what they're doing to me right now. It's something with my head. But at that point, that's when I knew. And also, um, when you first pass through the, the neural waves that were, um, as there was more Typhon activity mm. or something like that, mm, mm, and mm. they did little like cut cutaways and like you'd hear yes. Alex's voice and they were like operating on you. That's when I was like, you know, okay, what's going on here? And I've realized yeah. in general, this isn't specific to Prey. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that storytelling that uh, directly telling you something's happening or something will happen. Uh, Persona Five did that, and we were saying how that's one of my favorite games. But Persona Five like openly says in the beginning of the game. Oh yeah, you have a traitor in your group. So the whole time I'm like, who the fuck's a traitor? And there, I, I won't get off track with Persona. There's a, a twist in Persona that everyone thinks is the twist, but there's really a twist within the plot twist yeah. that people completely fucking miss. But what happened yeah. is that original one twist actually could have been pretty good if the game didn't say, "Oh, there's a traitor among you." You know, and Fair I've enough. just not become a fan of that type of storytelling. That's not specific to Prey. Um, cause I like to just have it unfold, like especially, and I, I've always had this, like when a game starts at the end and you're like, what's going on? And then it like resets you three years prior and mm. it fills up all of that until then. Um, I usually don't like that either. So it's actually pretty remarkable that I liked persona five so much cause they did a type of storytelling I generally don't like, um, so, yeah, it's like I said, it's usually nothing specific to Prey. It just has to be done exponentially well. And that, okay. that's really what I can say. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked, um, I was talking to a fan of, of Prey, and we were discussing, like, fan myths about the title or, or ideas of, of what they thought. And one of the guys was like, other than one or two little missteps at the ending, uh, the, the there was a rumor that, it's all a game and you're actually um, all the humans are actually the creatures and they're trying to create you as the best spy and the best spy. And I was like, that's yeah. And I I told him, I'm like, in all honesty, right up until the ending, I actually thought that. So I would say that maybe what we're looking at is possible that they ran out of money uh, or like a star Wars two. Uh, nice old Republic two kind of thing because the yep. ending sounds like to Maddie that would be an equivalent ending, you know, where it sort of drops off and you're like, whoa, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get what I wanted. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Chris ever, ever is able to say why he did that. Um, he may be open to to answering that. He may be one of those guys that's just like, you know, what I'm not going to tell you what the true story of it is. But if you play the game. If you do certain things in certain order, it can make you believe you are being primed. You are being primed to sort of decide: Are you going to revert back to being an alien? Like, and, mm. and then, and then, which side is actually doing this testing? Because 
where you're doing the testing is even weird when you think about and, it. And, like and there's some, and then when you're the human playing the game itself yeah. in, the, in that second, third, fourth playthrough, whatever, it's like you're almost like a totally different perspective at that point. Oh, dude. I was, and I w- I'm going to be honest, like that might be one of the reasons why I've enjoyed replaying it. Cause I'm consistently, and, and even when the trailers first came out, the guy looking at his eye and all this stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's something there, there's different ways you can go. And that's one of the things I do like. I think Soma at the ending was a little too, here's what's going on. And they could have probably been a little cloudier there. And it would have been even, you know, it would have been like, whoa, what's up? I think that uh, Prey could have done that as well, had an ending where you were like, wait. Am I a, you know, mm. am I this or that? That would have been very cool. Um, I mean, it, one of those things is, I have to say, it's pretty phenomenal that we're all talking about an ending of a game when less than 18% of people beat a game. You, you, I was, I was going to say I, something similar, awesome. to that. similar to, that to, that, to that. The fact that we're all here talking about this game for, I don't know, 20 minutes now, I think it shows that one, this game was good, and then the story Absolutely. was fantastic. That's what I right? said. Is, is I, I didn't. We're, we're so invested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but it's just a thought that came to me is that I, at first I was like, when I beat, it, I was like, I walked, I instantly shut off the game. I, I was kind of aggravated. I walked away from my computer. I was like, God, you got to be kidding me! And then I sat down later that night. I talked with some friends about it, and then we had another discussion, and then we had another one, another exactly. one. Like fucking night after night after night, we kept talking about this ending, and that's when I was like. Holy shit! Like we that's keep talking point. about it. We this yeah. is a good ending in a way because yeah. there's so much discussion that spawns about it. Now the other thing that I think kind of squishes that bug is with Prey's ending. It's about as good as the marketing campaign for Prey Two that'll inevitably happen when they start talking about that. You have this canon ending, and that's when all the imagination, all the fan theories, all the myths get swept under the rug. Because this, is, I, I highly doubt this is going to be a one-off. Um, Maybe, though, it could be. We did talk a little bit about the lack of marketing for this game, how they yeah. didn't seem to invest much in it. So it could be. And if so, then this is a game that is going to be really in the discussion, I'd say at least for our show, for a long while. Um, Definitely. But You know what I'm really interested in, though, is um, where they actually take it with DLC, etc. Like, if they even have DLC. Yeah, because have even at the end of that game, again, like I'm so... Interesting to talk about this because had DLC. It's like no, since what will Prey even have it? It's like I don't know. But I, I, I'm so interested to talk about it because it was a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. It's what actually happened to Morgan because we don't know, do we? Because you get to the end, Alex is doing this testing on this Phantom, showing you the memories of Morgan, but we don't actually know what happened to Morgan. Did he? Did he escape? Did he stay on the? When you shake hands, oops, sorry, at the mic. When you shake hands, the human hand comes out of the Typhon. I was like, is Morgan the? Is it turning? It was. It was was really weird. And then also as well, how how did the aliens actually manage to make it to Earth? What did someone betray them? Like, there's so much left to be told. Mm -hmm. And I think like the next prey, if this is successful, and you know they they want to make another game, it would be focusing on the aliens invading Earth, probably. Anyways, if they want to continue the story, but there's still so much to be told to get to that point Mm -hmm. that I can't wait for DLC if it comes out. Yeah, Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. I mean, the one fantastic part about the game was its environment because the level design was excellent, which I expected in Arcane game, but it also told you a lot about the universe you were in, but also that information you're paying attention to could have turned into something that fucking kills you. And that tension between those things just, oh man, it made exploration a blast. Although, like I said, I I wasn't a fan of backtracking a lot. 
Um, not in the way where I, I was definitely going to go back, but I'm talking about the questing and the um, enemies respawning, but it, it made it definitely not much more enjoyable because there was just so much. It was so information rich. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, it is cool that we're talking about it with, you know, mi- we've mentioned a Bioshock, we've mentioned Soma, we've mentioned games that a lot of people really like, and mm-hmm. the fact that we have one in that genre is, yeah. I mean, wh- you know, whether it, all games are going to have a failure, of, a failure of some type, liked and disliked. It's yeah. cool to just, it's cool to have another representation in, I will say, a game genre that isn't necessarily always represented without being Call of Duty. Like, it, you know, it doesn't yeah. require a ton of shooting if you don't want to. Uh, and and I love that. I think that's so cool. I can't. I mean, my hope is that whether Prey has a sequel or not, other companies look and go, you know what? We can. We don't need Dishonored. Dishonored's great because you're juggling people's heads and you're doing backflips. <laughs> yeah. Great. That's that's cool. It makes you feel like a superhero because it is the superhero. What happens mm. in Prey is I'm the superhero. I'm the one who decided to stick the glue gun against the wall and run up it. I'm the one who decided yeah. to block doors and windows with the glue gun. I'm the one who did those. And there's a difference. Something about Dishonored just doesn't... And I know people love that game, but something about it just doesn't speak to me as high when it's all programmed in. And it's it, it's like, this is effortless. Yes, because it's all programmed exactly the fucking same for everybody. But in Prey, the stories we've all told are different experiences in a wider, like, open area than I can remember in a long time. And that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And also, I got to say this. I'm not a big fan of audio. I've never been a fan of audiobooks. And my joke in the Prey review was that right before I die, I'm going to run over to my fucking Zoom and hit record and tell you everything. <laughs> I fucking hate them. But, but, I, I hate them. But it, it is true, though. I mean, it's like, oh, Jesus. I, I got this hole in my fucking, oh my God. And you're like, okay, thank God we got that. You know, thanks for hitting record. Yeah, so, he somehow hit stop recording before he dies. Oh, dude, yeah, like, yeah. Right, I mean, just, come on. Save, all right. Yeah, yeah, save oh file. It's safe, fuck. I'm and crying. So I, I despise him normally, but I would say that one of the reasons why I, was, I enjoyed Bioshock, Bioshock was a little bit, I think, uh, more directed in your face, but it had pretty good audio logs and i think that this one has good audio logs i i i just really don't think they're that useful in many games but for these in particular i think one of the reasons why i like them so much is because they do not tell you everything in fact they add mystery and i think that that's the difference that wildlands failed at wildlands would be like so we're gonna stab this guy in the dick because there was this chicken dude at the starting of wildlands who were like rape or like killing people and the chick was talking about his dick and and you're just like, okay, I get it. It's right in your face. It's like, here's it. But in Prey and in Bioshock, sometimes it w- there was that mystery. And I love that. And, that. and that pulls me towards it. Also, on the fact of replayability or backtracking. It's the first game where, again, the weapons can turn against you. But I also love the fact that there were multiple places where you could see through portals only from one direction. Or if you walked mm. into particular areas only from one direction, would you see this thing? And to me... That was like something I hadn't seen before. For example, I stood at the portal and I watched the video. The looking glass you're referring to, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you go around the other side, you can not only see where he puts the uh, the, the coffee yes, mug, you're right. but you can yeah. also look and see other things going on in the room. And that, to me, boggled my I mean, oh, yeah. it was a lot like Deus Ex, where if you waited, the conversation happened. No one told you it happened. And in Prey, I, it, only, it only did it a couple times. But, for example, in the menu... And it's like, do you want to look for this person? 
and this person. I'm like, there's 200 people here. But every time I click a name, yeah. it gives me a quest. And it dawned on me. I'm like, holy shit. I can it's, – it's not that bullshit where it's like only Johnson matters. All these other fuckers, we don't know where they are. Mm, Instead, yeah. the game was like, we know where everybody is. Go find that body. And that, to me, it's those little tiny things where I was like, what the fuck? I can go – and I found everybody. I was like, click the dude. Run, go find him. Click the dude. Run – or or click the terminal. And I just mm. kept doing it. And You found to, everyone? Yeah, I found everybody. I, everybody oh, that was yeah. possible to be found. I spent hours. That were alive, yeah. Hours. Yeah. And um, Well, you can also find their de- – depending on who they are, you can find their dead oh. body. It, they don't have to be alive it, on, on some of them. And so yeah. just clicking through them and going like, okay, I'm going to go find this dude. And that was in one of the hardest areas for me. Uh, speaking of difficulty, there was a robot there, and I wasn't that powered up. And he was waiting at that fucking door behind you. So I had to sneak in and look up at the computer and go, like, <laughs> check the lab, find somebody, hit, click them, get them quest, and then, like, sneak out quietly. <laughs> that shit spoke to me. Like, that's all I can say. Like, it literally was, like... That was so cool for me to, to experience. So I'm glad we have some people who have issues with it, though, because that means Chris and the developers and all that stuff will look at it and go, OK, you know, this ending is this not what it could have been. Let's let's pick it up but on the next. You know one. what it is? And I, mean, I know we don't want to ramble too long, but it's whenever a game has choice and that affects, you know, the, the story yeah, and the exactly. ending, you you're always going to get disagreement. Yeah, right. So it's, it's like, just... when you game that that is more linear and you always have a the same ending no matter what yeah, you did. Right. You can either wholeheartedly agree or disagree with that ending. But when it comes to prey, you're like, well, I like this, but I didn't like this. I could have done that better. It's exactly yeah. right. And I, I think overall, I'm still very happy with my prey experience and the story was good. It's just that because I played the game a certain way, I didn't get alien neuromods, and then I knew that I could have used those things and to make enjoyed it them to make it easier and just to have a bit of fun with like alien powers and it wouldn't have affected the story. I would have liked that to have been slightly different we, you know, looking back, you know, um, with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, yeah, no, makes total sense. Makes total sense. Here, let me record myself dying. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> I know, man. I, like, uh, the, the cool thing is, is we're going into like the next two years, three years with Ubisoft saying they're going to go with nonlinear stuff like that. If, if they turn out to be like prey, I want to be a happy camper like that, the, that. I'm hoping more games like this, more games like Bioshock start up. Matter of fact, where the fuck is Bioshock as a series? Oh, Have we heard don't, any? Don't is there any? Started. No, I mean, is there any rumors on a sequel? Okay. Because um, the IP is not owned of? by Ken, right? No, the IP is not owned by Ken. Um, so there was this point where Take Two's president said Bioshock is a permanent franchise. All right, cool. They're probably going to make another game. And then. Uh-huh. I think it was several months closer to a year after that they had Bioshock the collection. Now we're at a stage where we we don't necessarily know which studio within 2K's family has the game, if at all. And when you listen to Take-Two's fiscal report, they said that next year it's going to be Red Dead and a highly anticipated game, which could either be, like, it can't be Mafia, it can't be Civilization, it's either going to be Borderlands or Bioshock. Really, that's all we know. And I'm leaning towards it being Borderlands. But sure. maybe they just haven't, like, take you just didn't even refer to it. And I, maybe, I'm thinking it could be a 2019 game, if, it, if at all, if we're talking about dates. But we don't, ha- we don't know anything beyond that. Imagine if somebody said, hey, Chris, hey, Ken, I'm going to pay you both to work together and do Bioshock, oh. Oh. The, the Bioshockening. Oh. I don't know where you'd fucking put them, but like what world. 
but uh, if Chris Avalone were to work on the next Bioshock, man, I I'd be over the moon. Wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't that, that be would amazing? Be fantastic. I don't think yeah, I could handle be awesome. that. That'd be a fun oh, game. Oh, you could handle it. Already. A combination of the Titans. You damn well better handle it. Ken, you Levine, better... <laughs> Ken Levine and fucking Chris Avalon. Like, I'm pretty Here's sure you literally thing. hear reports online. Like, today, 40 fucking brains exploded. We're not yeah, quite sure yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. And Ken reset the entire game. Chris would probably kill himself. He'd be like, okay, Ken, seriously. <laughs> we got. I can't rewrite the entire story 76 times. Like, we have gotta, to figure out what finish we're... it. Ken will be all, uh, I don't like this level. Let's just redo it all. You're like, God damn it, Ken. Do you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Kevin do, or uh, Chris do a horror game uh, like a Soma, but really dive down into some psychological horror. I think the reason why I like Chris so much, I don't love him as a writer, but I really like him, is because his handle of subtlety, he's, he's got a very good handle of foreshadowing and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I would love, I would love, love to see him do an Alan Wake style um horror game alan wake i thought was well done narratively and i would I love it. to see him die in. It. yeah oh dude it's i just replayed that a couple weekends ago and there's something magical that happens just a little bit into that game and it, oh, it oh, always yeah. is I a one it. one it's sitting on the list yeah. but that's yeah. a, that's another game that is so good but the ending is and not for the same reasons as what the ending. No, don't say don't say no, i'm not I, listening I just, right I now because i want to play it I'm, my earbuds aren't even in fuck you oh okay so <laughs> So no no put them put them in. So when you finish it, let's talk about this because I've got to find out what Maddie's saying. That will be so interesting to see why somebody didn't like the ending of that. It just, um, didn't, it just didn't hit me right. I was just it felt rushed. That that's the best way to define it. It it wasn't like it was particularly in context or anything bad. It was just like it felt like it was like okay okay we're done. Like that's it. Oh, gotcha. maybe for the se- or maybe for that mini sequel. American Nightmare. Maybe that was they a sequel. Were... I never played it, but I, I call it a mini sequel. But it was DLC, whatever. No, yeah, it was a full like game an expansion of its own. I was, I was wondering if maybe they just were like, oh, we're going to actually do some stuff over here. Let's, you know, let's sort of package this up, get it yeah. out. Uh, it depends because it's Remedy. You never quite know what they're doing. No. So, um, they're they're a little questionable sometimes. Mm. Though I love them. Yeah, that's all we uh, we got for the show. Hour forty four minutes. Any That's final right. thoughts on Prey? Great game. To be honest, I enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it'll be on my game of the year list, but... Uh, I think it will be for me, without a doubt. Really? Yeah, for me, I just... My fucking... My, dude, I'm, oh God, I'm setting myself up for, for comments, man, because I so far, my two favorite games of the year are JRPGs. <clears throat> what are they? I mean, near, obviously. Nier is so. number one, hands down. I don't see anything bumping that out. That is fucking... I'm I'm gonna make a huge video on why I think that game is a fucking <laughs> masterpiece. Because I can see the comments now. Yeah. No, I yeah, so can I. Um, but it's it's just that um, I have not liked a game that much in fucking since. Anytime I think about like my favorite games of all time and like when they fucking come out and, and their release dates and stuff, like I haven't liked the game this much since Fallout Three. Like it's been that long. So mm. for me, I'm really into it, and I didn't want to rush out my opinions on it because I really want to like digest it because I'm feeling like really powerful about how much I like it, and it's not like honeymooning, but um, yeah, Nier's number one, number two is Persona Five, and that, I think that also speaks volumes. If anyone pays attention to the show, they know how much I love Persona, and Nier just yeah, for sure it was way better. Fair enough. Um, just because. For, to simply say it was this fucking beautiful mix of incredible sound, 
not only in the the when you're fighting where they could have just butchered it when you're fighting machines like that could have just been just scraping and screeching um but also the beautiful vocals the amazing music you got the platinum games best style of combat where you're switching weapon systems pod programs chips characters in general character play styles and then you got this beautiful fucking heartbreaking story that's mm. just just I don't even know. I see. I gotta find the right words to describe this game. That's that's where I'm at right now. Um, but yeah, it's just like I, my favorite. My word of the day here is trifecta. It's that trifecta of just everything I love in a game. So that's why okay. I feel so exuberant about it because it's you know, oh god, fuck. fuck. It's 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 weird because this is going to be a year where I truly believe a lot of people at the very end. I hope we're not holding people too long, but a lot of people at the very end will. Um, We'll have some really different ideas of the game of the year, and it's not only speaks Agreed. to how good the games are, but also I think there's not—I won't call it uh, people being lenient—but I think people are starting to sort of back away and look at what a game actually is once it's released versus maybe pre-release hype or versus some thing that was supposed to happen that didn't happen. So we hate the game. People are starting to be a little bit more mature about those kind of things. But the fact that in all people are going to hate me, the fact that I could put injustice. <laughs> injustice minimally within the top 10 is crazy but within the top Mm. five is insane and it is gameplay wise my enjoyment of it because to me game of the year doesn't mean i think what it does to a lot of people uh a lot of people think it means the best mechanically it's not necessarily that to me it's the best overall experience uh with some other uh, elements i think praise in there but there's a game i'm playing now that when people see the they're just going to be like, I cannot believe he just said what he said. But there's a game that I'm playing that is so shockingly good that it's caused me to step away from it a bit and go like, okay. what, what, what exactly is occurring it, at this time? That's how I was with Nier. For me I, to I, think I, that. I stepped away from it a good two or three times to make sure, like, okay, am I just like, yeah, you got to make sure it? that's like, right. That's right. Exactly you got to make sure. And usually you're not. Usually, for whatever reason, it speaks to you. And that's why some people just like JRPGs. Because the American... And that's fine. So these speak to them. And, but it is nice to hear that we all have those moments where you're like, wait a fuck a minute. Like, mm-hmm. why is this reaction so strong? For me, Prey has only grown, for example. Like, I mm-hmm. liked Prey when I told you, talked to you guys. I like Prey ten times more than when I fucking... Because <laughs> I, play, I played it so many times. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting that's to see this year. Persona. Top 10 is going to be fucking crazy. I mean, the big mm. ones will win, but I have a feeling people like us, we're going to have some wildly divergent ideas of what the game of the year is. And, the, and we haven't even got to fucking halfway through the year. That's like, I know. That's, that's insane. Know. It's insane. I'm looking forward yeah, to it, though. It's going to be good. We'll, we'll have a podcast about it, our top 10s or whatever. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Well, <clears throat> like I said, any other things we're tossing out there? No, I'm done. You're we done, should man. do a ha- ha- hashtag. I'm going to record myself dying. Yeah. No, what it should be. Hashtag, hashtag dying audio. Di- yeah, hashtag, dying, would, hashtag audio. dying audio. That's great. Yeah, that's, hashtag dying audio. To see what people, to see what people say. Because that, <laughs> it is funny. I mean, we all have those things in games where we're like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah. I, I didn't even realize how stupid it, oh, it it's hilarious to record stupid. yourself before you yeah. die. But it happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know what it is it's just like as you die before you kill me turn the off button please yeah, yeah. Right. 
tell me everything about the bad guy's plans. <laughs> actually, actually, Prey did do it. There was this one point. It, it was like in one of the first ones you go into, you find this dead body in the ground, you pick it up. He's like, hold on. I think someone's coming. And then, yeah, and then it just yeah, stops. It's that. like, it's like are you that. fucking yeah. kidding me? Yeah, he did. Uh, I forgot. How did this all before that? It's like this phone call. It's like, why do you call someone and then be like, all right, hey, what's up, man? Like, oh, there's something happening on the space station. Let me record this here for whoever stumbles by next. (laughs) Hold on, someone's coming to let them know that there's probably a monster around here after they listen to this. Well, it's Uh, like rhyme. Uh, rhyme has cave paintings it doesn't tell you anything but uh, uh, the joke in our podcast this morning was like who's this really prolific cave painter because every game <laughs> will be like a painting on the wall to sort of hint to you where to go or what to do or the history it's like motherfuckers there ain't there isn't even that much graffiti in new york let alone on this island like it, it but you see that in all these games yeah. you see these things these that things. are we we buy off on we're like da da it's totally normal and then later you're like wait a minute <laughs> that makes right. no sense at all That's but fantastic. it's games it's it's yeah. okay all right all right well that was a great episode thank you everyone for listening if you did make it the whole episode use the hashtag dying audio tag all our handles on screen we'd love to hear from you and send you lots of loves and obviously the like button on Twitter um yeah any uh any closing words from any of the boys not for um, me. You don't have to tweet us out at the end. I know someone asked this on Twitter. You don't have to tweet us the, the ending hashtag. It's just fun to see who reaches the end. That's all. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's not like I have to. We just we just like to get our fucking egos fueled here. Did, and, and, did, and, you, get, <laughs> uh, did you guys see my tweet to that one person who pretended saw, like it was the end of their world? Yeah. And so I was like, you're correct. I'm going to stop doing the podcast because this is such a bad... Jesus. <laughs> you, you went off on him. I was so confused at first. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong I was so confused. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, were you by me? Sorry. I, no, no, no. I knew, I knew what you like. I read it a second time. I was like, oh, because the first time I was yeah. like, you're like, I am not coming on the podcast because this is just such <laughs> a ridiculous it. rule. I'm like, oh, What's sorry, sorry. I was, I was like, like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it was just like, do we have to? And I was like, you're correct. It is that serious to even ask. But see, I get really <laughs> petulant about like if somebody asks that, I'm like, motherfucker, there are far more important things like that should never have been asked like never no, if you're an you adult I, if you're not wearing big boy pants I'm then the maybe but yeah sorry that's <laughs> really? just my rant oh, you're fine anyway we hope you guys enjoyed and we'll be there. we will catch you in next week's episode peace out peace out peace